after Ollie hired me, we had to figure out what we would do with this newfound podcast presence at Village Workspaces. And different co-workers were interested in starting podcasts or listening to podcasts. So we physically built a studio. We designated a room. We got a table. We got soundproofing systems. We hired an engineer, a few engineers to be there on call. We figured out the pricing system. How much would it be to rent the room? And then we found clients and we had some pretty big clients come in. We even had Dennis Rodman's podcast team call us at one point. Podcast Junkies, episode 237. Welcome back. I'm your host, Harry Duran. Newcomers, you are most welcome to this show, a collection of conversations with some of the most interesting voices in podcasting. We just want people to relax, kick back their heels, talk about their shows, and whatever else comes up during the course of this hour-long conversation. We had just such a conversation last week with Molly McLaughlin, host of Sleep is a Skill, a fantastic masterclass on better sleep, all the things we can do to uh, improve our sleep. Molly covered them all. She is clearly in her zone of genius when she's talking about this stuff. And she knows from experience because she helped cure herself of bad sleep problems. And uh, we've done some coaching work together. She's just doing amazing things. And I was really excited to finally get her on the show. I think you'll learn a lot if you haven't listened to it already. Episode 236. This week, we have the pleasure of connecting with another friend of mine, Ariel Niesenblatt. She's the founder of the Earbuds newsletter and most recently, the community manager for Squadcast. Uh, regular listeners may recognize the Squadcast name. I'm an advisor, the founding advisor to the company, and really excited about what they're doing in the field of remote podcast production. Video recording coming soon. Ariel joins the show to share her experience working in the podcast industry. And in her role as community manager, she works to build community with podcasters and creators around the world. She has two podcasts she personally is working on, counter-programming and feedback with earbuds. She's definitely made her name for herself in the podcasting world, and we talk a little bit about her career and what it means to build a true community. This episode is brought to you by Focusrite, and specifically the Scarlet 2i2 sound card, one of my favorite go-to sound cards, something I use for each and every podcast recording. The 3G line is a go-to for all new podcasters. Find out more at podcastjunkies.com forward slash focus right, and the link will be in the show notes as well. As always, full show notes available at podcastjunkies.com forward slash 237. If you enjoyed this episode or past episodes, I'd love it if you leave a rating and a review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash podcast junkies. I know you, as a matter of fact, listening right now have not submitted yours, so you may want to pause and do that now. Let's not forget that this episode is also brought to you by Fullcast. Fullcast.co is the website. If you need help with any aspect of your show from launch to production and marketing, we can help. Schedule a free chat at fullcast.co forward slash chat 15 about your existing or new show. Stay to the end of the episode where I reveal this week's retention hashtag. And now let's get into this conversation with Ariel. Ariel Nissenblatz, host of Counter Programming and the Feedback with Earbuds and the newly appointed community manager of Squadcast. Thank you so much for joining us on Podcast Junkies. Harry, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. <laughs> this felt like it's a long time coming. We've been friends for a while. And I was thinking about, you know, the reason I started the show is to 
develop relationships in the podcasting community. And then it's grown into this scratch my own itch opportunity to have longer form conversations with friends in the podcasting space and, you know, get into what people are up to. And uh, I, I think those are the best types of conversations because as much as we like to connect in at conferences, remember those conferences uh, in person, <laughs> and we, I would have conversations with people, but because my community, my podcasting community keeps growing, I don't get to go as deep, you know, as I used to in the early days. So now it's almost like I'm using the the podcast as a way to say, hey, you know what, let's continue this conversation and let's, let me get to ask some of the questions I never get to ask and get to know you better and, and sort of that's that's what's happening. And then I, I thought of us and how long we've been friends and I was like, well, I can't believe I've, I haven't asked you to be on. So I'm glad we have this opportunity now. Yeah, I was so honored when I got the call. Put me in, coach. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I was trying to remember when we connected, and I know it was in LA because we were both uh, in LA and we're both now not in LA, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But do you remember where we first connected? Was it at the, the co-working center? Yes, it could have been through Esprit. Esprit Everything yeah. is through Esprit. <laughs> yeah, the girl, <laughs> the girl who gets things done. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I imagine. I used to do a lot of networking events at the co-working space that I worked at. A lot of them were podcast related, and I'm sure you showed up to one or many of those. Yeah. Then we got connected or Jay Connor was involved somehow because we <laughs> Yeah. And then you were having meetings with my bo- my former boss Ollie about starting a podcast about Los Angeles. Yes. We've worked on so many different podcast related things together. And then uh we'd run into each other at the conferences. Yeah, and then so recently, uh, as of this recording in early September 2020, you moved into your new position as the community manager at Squadcast. So formal congratulations for that as well. Thank you. It's really fun so far. I've been using Squadcast for six-ish months now. And when I saw that a position opened up, I was like, yeah, I love working for products that I genuinely enjoy. So here we go. Let's talk a little bit about your background in the podcasting space. And I know that you've also worked with our mutual friend, Ever Gonzalez, yeah. Outlier. So it, it seems like there's no podcast project that where you don't see an opportunity to partner with like-minded folks. I love and, a partnership. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about that. Like, When did the, the podcasting bug first bite you as a listener slash consumer when that happened? Yeah, so... My first job out of college, I worked in Mississippi at a a Jewish nonprofit. And in that job, we were assigned to different synagogues throughout the South. And the South was defined as Texas and Oklahoma, all the way over to Florida and Virginia. So it was a very large span. And we were assigned to seven different synagogues. And we would travel to them. And if it was a less than eight-hour drive, we would drive it. And if it was more, then we would fly. And I had a lot of driving opportunities ahead of me. So I I was nervous about listening to podcasts at first because I kind of had the feeling that pretentious people listen to them. And because that's what it was like a long time ago. It was like, oh, you listen to a podcast, you listen to NPR, you're gonna... I was very anti-pretentiousness. And I'm still like anti-pretentiousness, but I also love gaining knowledge now. And I yeah. understand why podcasts are amazing. So anyway, I listened to a ton of podcasts then, but wasn't thinking about them critically in any way. Just here are the stories that I'm listening to. I am enjoying learning. I feel like I'm not wasting my time in the car. So that was in 2016. And then I moved to Los Angeles, fall of 2016. And again, lots of time in the car, lots of traffic, 
really was miserable at first with the traffic, really felt like I was wasting my time. I had an hour and a half commute each way. Wow. And I was working as a communications coordinator for another nonprofit there. And I still didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. What was my passion? What industries was I really what industries did I really want to jump into? So podcasts kind of helped fill that curiosity void and also helped me fill time in the car. But then I realized that I was listening to the same five or 10 podcasts every week. And while I was having one or two wow moments every week, I wanted to have more. And I knew that there was a way because every once in a while, a podcast will really blow you away, you know, where you're like, I did not know this before. I wouldn't have known this if I didn't discover podcasts. Now my whole life has changed. And in little ways too, you know, it's not like I'm going to do everything differently now. It's just like, here's another perspective that I have. And that's great. And also rabbit holes, like it, it, it'll introduce you to a topic yes. and then it'll open up like 10 other podcasts that are just like, wait a minute, I didn't know these existed. And now I have to create new categories on Overcast just so I can yeah. listen to this, these types of shows. And yeah, I mean, I've, I've been down there and it's still, the beauty of it is that it still happens for me, which is nice. That's so good. Yeah. I love, uh, listening to a podcast, usually like a, like a stuff you should know or one that is presenting knowledge. And it tells you about maybe a word or a phrase or even a whole group of people that are now somewhere else on the earth and you've never heard of them before. And then you go to Wikipedia and then you go to this. And yeah. then you had no idea about this before. It's amazing. <laughs> it feels like early days of the internet. Like I would be. I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can get this on books. You can get this in books. You can get this in yeah. the newspaper too. But I prefer to ingest it all through my ears. <laughs> And this new topic, I mean, early days of the internet, I remember like researching like crop circles and pyramids and just like, whoa, like I didn't even know, like, but it's, it is because you can find the fringe stuff too with with podcasts and it seems like it's becoming easier and easier for people to start one and, and people who otherwise may not have had a platform before now have one, you know, for better or for worse, but it's, it's just, it just continues to open up new areas to discover new, new, new information. Yeah, it's amazing. So I wanted to learn more, wanted to just be shocked and wowed more. So that's when I had the idea for the newsletter that I've been running for a long time. It's called Earbuds Podcast Collective. And the idea when I first started it was if I listen to five podcasts that amaze me every week, probably you do too, Harry, probably you do too, Bethany, somewhere in the Midwest, probably you do too, Laura, or whatever your name is. So my idea was let me reach out to some friends who could share with me their favorite podcasts, and then they could reach out to other friends and do the same thing. We could build a whole network. So the way that that looked was on February 12th, 2017, I'll never forget the day. World Radio Day was the next day. Coincidentally, I did not do that on purpose. I sent out a newsletter that had a theme and then included five podcast episodes along with that theme. And I curated the first newsletter, but from then on, a different person every week curated a different newsletter with episodes that they chose according to a theme that they chose. And that way I got to listen to five new podcasts every week that maybe I hadn't heard of. Maybe I had heard of them, but wanted to kind of go out of my way to listen to them with the lens that they were part of this theme curated by this person. So that's really what got me started discovering that there are so many podcasts and that there are so many people who have so many different interests and that we can all go go out of our way to find podcasts to listen to. So where'd you get the newsletter idea? Because it's something that unless you're in the world of like digital marketing or you're familiar and you've done stuff like that, or you've read a lot of newsletters, like, I'm just curious, like where that idea came from, like what inspired that? Yeah, I had no idea at the time. I was 
when I started it in 2017, I was 25 and I had no experience with digital marketing. I did social media here and there for some companies, but nothing too serious, nothing too professional about it. And when I started the newsletter, I actually did it as a Gmail for a while until I had like 100 subscribers and it looked horrible. It is so embarrassing to look back on. And I think I forgot to BCC everybody the first time. It was just so bad. <laughs> oh, you did that email where you send it to everyone and yes. everyone can see everyone else's yeah. email. <laughs> Man, you could just steal everybody's email address. But yeah, it was really ugly at first. Like I think I bolded things to try to differentiate it, but it looks so bad in Gmail. So anyway, finally, somebody was like, you should probably do MailChimp. And I was like, you're probably right. So then I taught myself MailChimp. And to be honest, it was pretty ugly for a while. And it got prettier over time. And I've asked some people for help over time. I learned how to ask for help. I learned how to delegate responsibilities. Yeah. And I started going to tons of different podcast related events throughout Los Angeles, where I was living at the time, meeting people in the podcast space, meeting a lot of public radio people, not a lot of podcast okay. writers or more industry types, just more so people who were creating and making radio. So it, it was a really cool introduction to the, the space that I didn't really recognize at the time as the podcast space. Yeah, I love geeking out on this all digital marketing stuff. So that's why I'm asking, curious about that idea of having some a collaboration. So people were curating it. So exactly what are the specifics of that? You would have someone draft up the version of what the newsletter would be that week, and then they would just send it to you for final approval and you would send it out? It's a good question. The way I did it at the beginning was I would send a questionnaire. So I had a spreadsheet, Google Doc, that I still have. And now I have a the Google Doc where people can sign up and then the Google Doc of the archive. So I have since February 12th, 2017, I've sent it out every single Sunday night since then. It's a Congrats. lot at this point. Thank you. I need to look at how many there are, but it's a lot. It's five times, five podcast episodes times however many weeks it's been. It's a ton. At first, people would say, oh, I'd love to curate a list. Or I did a lot of outbound marketing at first. I would love to find people to curate a list. So I would send that spreadsheet, have them sign up, put their name next to a date, put their email address, put their theme and their five episodes. Obviously, they could change it if they needed to. And then two weeks before their week of curation, I reached out and I would say, hi, so-and-so, you signed up to curate this week's list of Earbuds Podcast Collective. Please reply to this questionnaire by this date, and that'll help me format the email that'll go out to all of our Earbuds subscribers on Sunday night. So that's what I was doing for about three years, three years from 20, yeah, 2017 to 2020, February. And then I was like, there's probably a way that I can simplify this. So I utilize my website, earbudspodcastcollective.org. And I created a form where people can fill out all their information there. It sends it to me. And there's probably a way to automate this even better. And I am working yeah. on doing that. Yes, thank you. I see your wheels turning. <laughs> like yeah, I know there's a way. Automation, we'll figure it out we'll after the call. <laughs> Zapier or something like yes, that. Yes, Zapier yeah. is the one. That's what I've been thinking. Yeah, so basically what I do now is I send them I still send them an email, but this could definitely be automated where I say, hi, so-and-so, here's this, your week of curation is coming up. Here is a questionnaire for you to fill out. They fill that out. And then I get clicks on my website too. That's exciting. And it's like yeah, one yeah. every week, but it's SEO. fine. Yeah. And then I get the spread, the answers to the spreadsheet back. Then I still manually go into MailChimp and fill out all the information, but it's a little bit easier. But yeah, that's generally how it works. And then throughout the week, I follow up on social media every day saying, here's today's listen. It comes to us from this person. Here's the podcast. I'll tag all the relevant parties. 
And then as of October of last year, I also put out a weekly podcast that kind of goes alongside the newsletter, just really bare bones says, here's this week's theme, here's this week's curator, here's descriptions of each episode, go listen. And then I use it as an opportunity to advertise if I have an advertiser for that week as well. So that's the newsletter, and then that was in motion. And then what what came next in, in the world of podcasting for you? In the world of podcasting, so I always wanted to work in podcasting full-time. By always, I mean since 2016. But I did not know how, and I also thought I was meeting so many people who were creating radio and creating audio, and I did not know how to do that. And I thought, because of that, I can't work in this space. I also, at the time, refused to have a podcast. I just thought there are so many people that do. They do it really well. Some people don't do it well at all, and I don't want to be involved. (laughs) And also, I'd rather advise people. But then things change, and we'll get there. But at the time, I really felt imposter syndrome when it came to when it came to the podcast space in Los Angeles, especially because everybody is so put together there. Everybody looks pretty. Everybody's so good at branding themselves. But I think you you know, and I know, and it's like the worst kept secret that it's all a facade. Like everyone is bullshitting all the time. (laughs) But like everyone, not just Los Angeles, but like literally every single person. And I didn't understand that until I graduated from college. I think you're still discovering that like, People that you think really have their shit together don't always have their shit together. It's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, yeah. Uh, no, everyone, yeah. We're all just human doing the best we can. That's right. I really wanted to work in the podcast space. I was trying to figure out a way to carve my own space. But what I was noticing is that people were looking at my newsletter. I had made a website at this time. People were looking at the newsletter, looking at how involved I was in the podcast space. I would go to everything. I would talk with everyone. And I would ask everybody to curate a list. I would ask everybody to be involved in some way. I did storytelling events at the time. Really just tried to do everything and anything in the podcast space. And then I had the idea that co-working spaces, which I was obsessed with because they were so pretty. They are still so pretty, but we can't really go there anymore. They're pretty and empty now. Yeah. They're just always so remarkably designed and there's coffee and there's kombucha. And I really wanted to work in one like physically, I wanted to ha- get a free space in a co-working space. So I thought if I could finagle my way to work in a co-working space for the co-working space, but then also convince the co-working space to do something with podcasts, that would be my ideal situation. So I had the idea in October of 2017 to pitch podcast studios to co-working spaces. So I cold emailed a bunch of different co-working spaces throughout LA. Nice. Had a bunch of different meetings with people, some really good meetings, some ideas, some some people wanted to take my idea and run in a different direction. One place in particular, Village Workspaces. I met with the founder there. His name is Ollie. He was like, yep, love this idea. Love podcasts. Let's do it. You're hired on the spot. <laughs> so we had no plan. We <laughs> did not know what we were doing. I can fully admit, I at the time, I know a lot more now than I did then. <laughs> Shout out to Ali. Great guy. I I did meet him. Yeah, really good guy. You've met him a few times. Yeah, you came by. After Ali hired me, we had to figure out what we would do with this newfound podcast presence at Village Workspaces. And different co-workers were interested in starting podcasts or listening to podcasts. So we physically built a studio. We designated a room. We got a table. We got soundproofing systems. We hired an engineer, a few engineers to be there on call. We figured out the pricing system, how much would it be to rent the room? 
And then we found clients and we had some pretty big clients come in. We even had Dennis Rodman's podcast team call us at one point. They wanted to come in, but they wanted video recording capabilities. But we had some ridiculous situations like that because of the nature of being in Los Angeles and the nature of podcasts being on the rise. It was just a very interesting space to be in. And I got to do a lot of growing and learning and understanding what podcast production means and then understanding that it means everything and nothing at the same time. I think a lot of podcasters are having this issue. The word producer as it relates to podcasting is so broad and it can mean so many different things. And I actually know I'm part of a group of people who are trying to define these terms and we're working on what does producer mean? What does assistant producer mean? What does executive producer mean? But at the time, I was just like, yeah, producer, I can do it, whatever. I couldn't, spoiler alert. <laughs> but we learned a lot. Well, I mean, it depends. It depends. And and like, and like honestly, I think it speaks to the initiative you took when you reached out to Village Workspaces as well, because you didn't have all the answers when you approached them, but you knew that you could figure it out as you go along. And And a lot of times, some people are afraid to take action because it's they don't they don't have the perfect information at hand and i think it's it just speaks to the idea of yeah. being able to take uh, what i call imperfect action and then and then figuring out as you go along because as long as you know enough or a little more than you know whoever you're partnering with you could learn very quickly i remember when i took my first project manager job at, at jp morgan chase and my, my boss was like, have you ever been a project manager? I'm Those like, are two yeah, words yeah, yeah, that yeah, I know I together. That. I, like, I went to the bookstore. <laughs> like, I went to I went to the bookstore. I, t- I wow. bought like, three books on project yeah. management. <laughs> but I figured it out because I have like, I can kind of, you know, I was like, oh, okay, I get it. And, I, and I, I know how to use software. So I just grabbed the Microsoft project and I was like, yeah, I'll figure it out. So, yeah, so that's just kind of speaks to the idea of like, you are, if you can, you know, record and publish an episode, yes, you are a producer. You're also a producer if you're, you know, producing these Netflix specials as right, well. So exactly. it's, and it's the whole and range in between. Yeah. Like you said, I do I do think it's important when you have an idea to just start the idea. And Chris Krimitsos also says this, start ugly. You don't have the full you don't have the full plan, but if you don't start, yep. you're most likely never gonna start and it's gonna be a pattern in your life that you don't start things. So I always just say start things. You need to have enough of your plan in place, but you definitely don't need to have all of it. It definitely doesn't need to be perfect. That was working at Village Workspaces in the podcast studio there. And then in addition to that, my job was to engage with the larger podcast community. So I did networking events at local cafes and bars and things like that. And then also would do storytelling shows that showcased the idea of storytelling as it relates to podcasting in the space. And the space is really beautiful. So it was easy to bring people in and have them there. That's also how I got involved with Ever Gonzalez, who you mentioned before. Ever Gonzalez is the founder of Outlier HQ. And in in February of 2018, he started advertising for his first ever Outlier podcast festival, which was going to be in May in St. George, Utah. I like to keep on top of everything going on in the podcast space ever. I like to follow every newsletter, know about every event. When I don't know about it, I get very upset. So please tell me everything that people are doing all the time. Yeah, it's a lot. And it is definitely growing and harder to keep track of. But two and a half years ago, I saw Outlier Podcast Festival. I looked at the website. I noticed that it was all white men on the screen. And I did not like that. And I stand by that. And to this day, I still call it out when I see it. 
But I emailed Ever nicely and I said, hi, I'm Arielle, I live in LA, I do this podcast stuff. First of all, you have all white people on your on your screen. Second of all, can I speak there? <laughs> and he said, yeah, why don't you lead, why don't you moderate a panel of women in podcasting in Utah? And I was like, yeah, sure. I have no, no idea about the women of Utah podcasting, but I'm happy to do some research. <laughs> so I drove to Utah and did the festival there and then spent a weekend with friends and went to Zion National Park. So it was a great time. And I've been friends with Ever ever since. It's beautiful there. And then you started working with him on the future festivals, right? Yeah. So we enjoyed working with each other and Ever also had seen the village workspaces. And I said, that's a great place to have a podcast festival. So we planned the next one for September of that year, just a few months later. So we had a lot of work to do. So I did finding people to speak. I did marketing for tickets. I did ticket sales. I did decorating the studio, finding vendors. It was a lot of work, but it was a lot of fun. And that's actually when I met Squadcast for the first time. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's when they went. It all comes together. (laughs) (laughs) You met, was it uh, Zach and Rock both there? Yeah, they were both there. Okay. Okay. And so now life after Village Workspaces. Yeah. So I worked at Village Workspaces in the podcast studio slash general co-working space for about a year and a half. And then I wanted to move to a company that was more specifically podcast focused. So I ended up working at CastBox, which is the podcast listening app, competitor to Overcast, Spotify, Apple, blah, blah, blah. Not really competitor, you know. Apple and Spotify kind of don't have competitors, but it is yeah. what it is. Uh, <laughs> but but Castbox was a it's a really fun app. I still use it. I used it before and I use it after. It's my favorite podcast app. It's unique because they did in audio search before other apps did. So if you wanted to learn about beluga whales in any way, you could search beluga whale and you could then toggle between podcast episode title in audio, audio book, really anything. And you could find anything with beluga whales. It's amazing. Yeah. So I enjoyed working there. I was the business development manager. No, that's a ridiculous title. I literally did this a month ago. Why don't I remember anything? (laughs) We'll go with that. Yeah. I did lots of things at CastBox. I curated the app to a certain extent. So people would reach out to me and ask to be featured. And I'd say maybe or yes or no. Turns out just a tip for every podcaster out there, podcast curation on the apps is a lot more is a lot less algorithmically based than you would think. It's a lot more of a personal touch. So after I started realizing that in-app podcast curation is the the new frontier slash the undiscovered way of promoting a podcast, I started putting together speeches for in-person podcast conferences about this. And yeah, it really is an untapped market. So basically, all these podcast apps, they have these editorialized columns that say best podcast to listen to while washing the dishes or best history podcast, best this podcast, best that. And most of those categories are created by the in-app team. Some are generated through the Apple charts and just transposed onto the different podcast apps. But most of them, like most in CastBox, if you go to the homepage, it's like amplifying black voices, best history shows, best this, best that. It's really, and I curated most of those with the help of other people, whether it was other podcasters or people who wanted their shows promoted, we would work out some sort of non-monetary exchange, but there's so much there. So I loved working there and getting a sense of what goes on behind the apps. What, what would you say is the most important thing, best thing 
thing you didn't know before that you learned as from your time there? I learned a lot about the, yeah, I, I think a lot of people who are podcasters think it's a big mystery behind what makes a podcast grow, but it's not that big of a mystery. It's really, you have to create a good product yeah. and you have to have a solid marketing plan. And that marketing plan can't be every time we put out an episode, just tweet the link to it wherever we wherever we think yeah. we should, because it doesn't work. It needs to be creating partnerships with people, whether they're monetary or non-monetary. It needs to be writing blog posts and ranking for SEO. And most importantly, I'll say it again, it's just creating a good quality piece of podcast, audio content, whatever, and getting the right people to listen to it. So it's, I think, really creating relationships with the people behind the apps and knowing who they are and them knowing who you are and respecting your product. Yeah, and having a plan on how you're going to go about doing that and understanding, to your point, that it is a human being on the other side of this making the decisions. And they're giving you the opportunity, because that's something that I took away from your presentation at the Outlier Virtual Festival when you when you did do that presentation. And it's still some stuff that I still need to do and follow up on, like in terms of getting some to cast box, but even like Breaker, all these apps, like if you do your homework, they all have somewhere on the site, like how to be featured. And it's it's a complete missed opportunity if you are not taking advantage of those. And I, granted, it's it's a lot of work for a solo podcaster, but those are the things that are going to separate you from the other one from oh, yeah. all the other podcasts that are, you know, not doing that. Yeah, at, at the minimum, you should at least look at what your podcast looks like on all of those different sites, yeah. because some of their back end works differently than others. And yeah. so your podcast, if you don't do two spaces after a period, might have no spaces <laughs> after a period. It's just all these strange things that happen. And you just probably want to check that out, create an account. They're usually free and then edit what your podcast looks like. And that takes us to present day. Yeah. <laughs> so I literally just started working at Squadcast a week and a half ago. Big ups to Rock and Zach, my new bosses, who made the interview process very lovely. I felt welcome the entire time. And I know, Harry, you are friendly with them and you're on the advisory board yep. of Squadcast. So you know how much, how great these guys are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Been a fan of them for a while. Yeah. And I think it's just something that I was explaining to them when I first met them in, in a podcast movement. And wow, 2017 now going back yeah, now. Yeah, I was there too. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I really reminded them of the importance of putting a face behind the product because yes. I've been podcasting since 2014. I've seen so many apps and tools and widgets and stuff come and go. And inevitably, like Blab was hot for a while. I don't know if you were on for, for that. Oh, what but is that? It was like a sort of like a, a version of Squadcast, but it was like a, a, a group chat feature. But you could record? I think you could record. It was mostly just the fact that you could get multiple people on. Yeah, I think you could record if I, if I remember. People like, you know, sourcing, starting their podcast with Blab and they just kind of disappeared, which is yeah, that's sad. The thing. There's a lot of pod fade, not yeah. just with podcasts, but with tons of podcast apps. Yeah, yeah totally. And ideas. If you go to podnews.net every single day, there's a new, there's a new word yes, being added to, to pod. the word cast or the word pod. <laughs> and it's all camel yeah. case. And do you know what camel case is? Camel I just learned case. this. No, <laughs> I yeah. don't. So the way Squadcast is spelled, it's capital S-Q-U-A-D, capital C-A-S-T. Yeah. yeah. So that's camel case. There's no hump. space between it. The hump, exactly. Okay, so funny. every new podcast company that comes up is camel case, and it's all with pod or cast. And it's just, let's put a new fun word between, <laughs> and let's make a company. And then they're gone like the next year. Yeah. So that was really what I was thinking. And I said, 
look, if you are here to stay and if you're here to be, if you're in this for the long run, like get down to the lobby, hang out, you know, you know, hang, have a drink by the bar, meet some of these people, like explain who you are, what you do. And so that when they find your service or when they try it out, it's not just like, oh, it's, you know, it's Squadcast, this product. Oh, it's Zach or it's Rock yeah. from Squadcast. You know the faces behind I'm su- it. You I'm know supporting how hard them. they worked. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I said, look, get yourself into the community, you know, attend these events and, you know, put yourself out there and, and get out of your comfort zone because you're not going to build a product like from behind your, your desk you know, and, and, and do it virtually and, and it's not going to have any success. And, and I'm glad to see that they, they took that advice and, and now it's, you know, slowly making a name for themselves so that when people think of Squadcast, now they think of Zach and they think of Rock and obviously everyone else who's been jumping on board. So I'm happy to see that that's happening. And, you know, I, I know it's first week for you, but I know what's exciting to see about you in the role is that you were obviously already making a presence for yourself in the community. You're active with your podcast, with the newsletter. So I imagine there's a lot of ideas, maybe some that you probably can't even speak about, but uh, I, I think there's... Some that I can. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if there's anything that is coming up, you know, that would you know, be helpful for folks to hear about and how you think about, you know, the position of being a community manager for anyone out there who's a community manager as well for their for their company. Yeah, so the title community manager can mean, again... A whole bunch of different things. Yeah. The what it means for me at Squadcast is that I'm literally charged with creating community among users and potential users. And the idea there is this is a collaborative software where people we're using it right now, Squadcast. We jumped on, we're looking at each other face to face. We're also talking. You're gonna download this audio, you're gonna make a thing about it, and then people are gonna listen to my words and you'll be hearing me right now. And it's a it's a really great software, it's a great product. And most importantly, what Zach and Rock and I and everybody else who wants to who works there want to highlight is that it's about content creation across the world, you know. You're in Minnesota. I think I might lose you. No, you're here. You're in Minnesota. I'm in Maine right now. We're all over. I could be somewhere else the next day and this will still work the same way. And we're creating your podcast. You're creating your podcast with me this week, somebody else next week. It's a collaborative space that people can get together virtually online. And we want to take that communal feeling that you are having with me right now that I'm having with you right now and extend it and then also create larger connections between people. So if we have a a new Facebook group coming, which we do, it's going to be a Squadcast members group where Squadcast members can get together and do interview exchanges, give advice, talk to each other about best practices, what logo should they choose for an upcoming social media campaign that they're doing. There's just going to be tons of opportunities to chat with people. And most importantly, what we want to do is continue to put a face to the Squadcast name. So Zach and Rock, we're going to do office hours. They're going to chat with people. So those are, that's some of the things that are coming up with Squadcast. And it's just a, it's a really fun place to be. And like I said, I've been using the software myself and it's so fun working for a company that you endorse yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When you think about the word community, and it's something that's been top of mind for you, you know, in the projects you've been taking on in the past few years, how do you think about that term and why do you think it's something that's sometimes gets overlooked and then why it's important to cultivate? Sometimes it gets overlooked, but then other times it's used as a catch-all, you know, creating community. What does it actually mean to create community? I think it's a unique challenge, especially now, because 
it's pretty easy to create community when you're in a bar and everybody gets a free drink on the company that's sponsoring the event. And then you can sit together and talk about podcasts and you can all go around the room and say how you started your podcast and all that. How do you do that online now? I'm sick of the virtual happy hours. I, <laughs> I'm, I do not yeah. want to look at a Brady Bunch screen for the rest of my life. So what I'm thinking when I think of community is I want to chat with the users of Squadcast and people who are recording remotely, even if it's not with Squadcast, and see what they need and more importantly, see what they want out of community. Some people may not want community beyond the interviews that they're doing. Other people may want to learn from shared experiences of others to make their shows better. So I think one of the main things I want to do, and I'm already making use of this on Twitter and on Instagram and other social media platforms is asking people what community means to them. So I guess what community means to me is exactly what it means to other people at the time that I'm asking them. And it could be a million different things at a million different times, but it's kind of synthesizing that and taking that and creating something with it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So now switching over to you as a content producer with talk about the work you're doing on counter uh, counter programming and the feedback, like how you thought about it from having listened to so many because it's different when you're listening. And now you're having to think about all the moving parts when it comes to producing an actual show. So I said a few moments ago that I was very anti podcasting three years ago, I didn't want to do it myself. But then I was with my friend. And she was like, you should just have a podcast for for earbuds. And I was like, Okay, fine. So I literally went home that day, wrote a script on the internet, and then told this engineer that I've been working with for a while. I was like, hey, Daniel, I'm just going to record on my phone. And he was like, do not do that. You know that you should not do that. Do not record on your phone. (laughs) So I was like, fine, I'm not recording on my phone. So I quickly bought a mic and shout out to my friend Pallavi who who colored on it. And then I bought it from her. Yeah, the Blue Yeti. (laughs) Really pretty. Blue Yeti. Uh, It's fine. Does the job. Yeah. Recorded my first episode of Feedback with Earbuds, which is essentially every Sunday along with the newsletter an audio version of the newsletter comes out and it's basically me explaining what the theme of the week is, who the curator of the week is. They even send in a voice clip where they tell me why they chose that theme and give a little bit of context as to who they are and why that theme is important to them. Then we go through each episode and we talk about, and by we, I mean, I, (laughs) I don't have them on the show, but I should, I'm considering all these different things to spice up the show. Yeah. But I then read the descriptions of the show, and then I'll do some Patreon shout-outs, other advertising things, and then any... I used to do um, podcasting news from the Inside Podcasting Newsletter, but I stopped when the pandemic came because there was a lot going on, but I kind of wanted to make the newsletter as simple as possible, considering beefing it up a little bit more now, but that's the gist of that podcast. And then... It actually wasn't that hard to write and produce because I'd seen so many other people do it so many times. What was difficult was getting traction for it because it's a podcast about podcast recommendations. So it's not going to just, it's not going to be the most intriguing, enlightening piece of content ever. So it's got to be, it's kind of practical. So it's about making it as good as it can be from a practical perspective but then when it comes to fluff and content i got you with counter programming (laughs) so in march when the pandemic first started i had so many ideas all the time i was just like constantly bombarded i would wake up in the middle of the night with an idea write it down explore it the next day some of them were garbage some of them were great 
I started a social distance trivia thing that I would do <laughs> using CastBox's online feature where people would come in and each week was a different theme. I would have a different host. It was really fun to do. I did that for like three months. Then finally, people did not want to be on the computer as much. I learned a lot of dances that I've never learned before. I'd never been into dancing. I made avocado bread. I don't know if other people experienced this creativity. <laughs> there's, a lot of right baking, the there's a lot of baking going on yes. from what I saw. Yeah. A lot of baking. But one of the other ideas that I had was actually it came from a joke tweet. There's that format of tweets that goes like a podcast, but for blank, right? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Some people will write like a podcast, but for all the sneezes that I heard on the subway this morning. A podcast, but whatever. So my idea was a podcast called Counter Programming, but you only focus on counters. And the idea behind it was there's so much going on in the world right now. Most of it is bad news. It's all COVID related. How can I be ridiculous about this? So I tweeted that, but then I was like, wait a minute, that's actually an idea. So I called my friend. Oh, and another thing I did during quarantine, during the height of the quarantine was I started walking dogs for WAG in addition to my full-time job and the other things that I do. <laughs> and just I would to just get out of the house. <laughs> yes, and to meet dogs. And that's it funny. was amazing. And I would walk like six miles a day sometimes and so many ideas would come. Yeah. So I called my friend Shira, who I now co-host the podcast with, and I was like, can we do this podcast? And she was like, sure, I have no idea what to do, but I'll just follow you. And I was yeah, like, great. Yeah. So we started the podcast and we actually focused on kitchen countertops for the first four episodes. Yeah. And we would we did wood, steel, <laughs> granite, marble, and we talked about how would we have this in our house? Who does have, what percentage of Americans do have this in, our, in their house? And then we moved on to Count Dracula and Count Von Count from Sesame Street. And we've gone every single week since March 1st. And we've had counts and counters every single wow. week. This past week, we just released an episode on, uh, the, the titles have been nuts. Like we, we've gone in directions that you would never think of. And it's been really, it's been a stretch at times, but it has definitely kept us entertained. And we actually had a good experience recently. We were featured on Apple's New and Noteworthy. Nice. So it's resonating with some people. We did year counters, aka calendars. So we just talked about like how ancient calendars came about and how they've evolved to now. We did a review of a movie that had the word count in it. <laughs> There's probably so a lot it's of those, really, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. We did Counting Sheep, and I learned a lot about Serta's 2000 ad campaign using sheep. <laughs> it's really been everywhere. Well, I remember when James Cridland mentioned it on a pod news, he's like, counter-programming, and the first topic is about actual counters. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> but just in terms of the process, I'm sure it's been helpful for you, and just you know, being being consistent, because that's something I think people who are not podcasting don't understand or appreciate, like oh, yeah, the amount I love of work, consistency. the work that goes in to stay consistent and, and what happens, you know, to record the prep, the research and all the stuff that happens behind the scenes, I think, for the amount of time that the episode, the duration of the podcast episode, I think what a lot of people don't realize until they've started producing their own shows, how much work is involved. Yeah, it's like triple. For a lot of people, it's way more than triple. Yeah. So it's funny because you mentioned you weren't listening to a lot of podcasts and you were sort of anti-podcasts. So I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about your, your favorite podcast ever, The Joe Rogan Show. You said I wasn't listening to a ton of podcasts? No, I think you mentioned you weren't a big podcast listener at the time when you first got started. Oh, yes. Way before. So this is 2014. I did yeah. not listen to podcasts because of the pretentiousness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because I, I think it's it's one of those polarizing 
figures in podcasting. I think sometimes the way I look at it is it just goes to show you that if you want a platform or you, you can have those types of topics or you can let people speak for three hours or you can talk about bow hunting or MMA or whatever it is, like the, the, the flavor of the month. I pick and choose because eventually, you know, because I like ancient civilization. So he has like Graham Hancock on in there. And I'm like, whoa, he had Edward Snowden on there. I, was like, I also like ancient civilizations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I can imagine you like, if and when you do listen to one of those episodes, you're probably just like looking over, like making sure nobody's watching. Like who's looking <laughs> at me, yeah. No, I love, uh, but there are other podcasts that do ancient civilizations. Yeah. So um, I just think it's fascinating. I think at some point, you know, love them or hate them, it, awareness of what's happening in the podcasting yes. world is, is- I'll give them that. Yeah, yeah, it's been very helpful. And then interestingly enough, I tried out the new experience on Spotify. I thought I was going to hate it, but the I don't know if you've seen it, but- the quality of the video is ridiculously high. Oh. You can 2X and even 3X it. And if you minimize the video, it keeps playing the audio while you're, the video is minimized. And I'm just like, wait, I didn't think I'd actually be like watching the video while I was like, because I was like, oh, who wants to watch a podcast video? Check it out. Pick Obviously pick a guest maybe you like or something. Yeah. But just to Miley. see the, I'm into Miley. Yeah, I heard that one's good. Yeah. She, she yeah. kind of shat on him a little bit, which yeah. I appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> Natalie checked it out she said uh it was, it was really interesting but yeah just to see the experience i think it is there's something in terms of the future and obviously you know you need to have your finger on the pulse of what's happening in, in the podcast community i think it'll make creators start to think about like hey i wasn't normally thinking about podcast video because normally that would mean put that on youtube put this on your podcast host right. and then like there's no now this like one platform that does it all and as me as a power user, I want to be able to 2X, 3X it, you know, if I can. Yeah. So you can Are you a 3Xer? I tried it out with his show because yeah, you don't too. have to like listen. It's not like rocket science. You're not learning. It's just entertainment and entertainment shows. I, I was surprised because I'm already used to one and a half, 2X, how much I can grasp at 3X, which sounds ridiculous. Because it's not that because people, when they first hear it, they're like, oh, it's the chipmunks. But it's just yeah. changing the speed and not the pitch, which is interesting. I used to listen on 1.2 and think I yeah. was a badass. <laughs> now I'm consistently at 1.9 and I can do 2.5 and yeah. it's nuts. There are so many people who are vehemently anti-speeding up podcasts, but I got to listen to a lot of it. Yeah. I do. Or else I can't we get through to. it. I can't get through my, ca my catalog yeah. of shows. And it's rare, but it's probably like the... Gimlet style produced shows with the music and everything. And I'm like, okay. Those, I want to hear most of it, but even still, it can be slow. And so when you think about, you probably got to see a lot of different types of podcasts when you were at CastBox. And, you know, naturally, you'll, you'll still get to experience that in your new role as Quadcast. But what were you seeing? Or is there anything from a trends perspective or in terms of like people? creating content. I know people think a million podcasts in the Apple podcast directory, like I'm too late. Like I thought I was late in 2014. And I keep telling people, look, if your show is interesting enough, and it's niche enough, like it's gonna find yeah. its audience. I'm, I'm curious about what your thoughts are having been in that position where you got to see a lot of shows. Yeah, it does not matter what year you're coming in. It just matters that your content is good. What I would say is, you probably don't want to come in and have a broadcast with your friend and just talk about life. Those I think people are losing their patience for. Unless you are hilarious, but it is so unlikely. Unless you're Sarah Cooper. <laughs> yeah, she can do that. <laughs> but she's she's not going to have a broadcast, you no. know? 
Well, she skipped the podcast. She went straight to Netflix. Like she went, she went straight to talk about making a name for those. For anyone who's been under a rock, she basically lip, lip syncs Trump yeah. impeccably well and does, you know, scene changes and everything and became and wigs. Yeah. <laughs> an overnight sensation on TikTok and Instagram. And now she, she was ho- featured at the DNC. That yeah. was pretty cool. She hosted an episode of uh, Jimmy Kimmel. She was the guest host. And now she's got a special coming up on Netflix. So. That's how you create content during a pandemic. <laughs> that's, that's exactly how you create content during a pandemic. So anything from a trends perspective, because now you've done, it's interesting because you've been in the co-working space related to podcasts and, and then studios and then seeing what it is from the app perspective. Now you're seeing what it is from the actual recording of the content perspective. And then you've also now, you've done events and then you've also, now you're doing your own show. You've done the newsletters. So What's interesting you just industry wide, you know, what in terms of what you're seeing? And I know you follow, you mentioned yourself that you follow a lot of the newsletters. So you're, you can kind of get a pulse for what's happening in the industry. Are there specific trends that are standing out for you right now? There is an influx now of people starting podcasts who have always wanted to start podcasts. And there's not a lot of thought into a lot of them. It's a lot of broadcasts. And I would just say, differentiate yourself in some way and the way i try to illustrate that is like just be weird in any way possible so if you are going to have a podcast with your buddy that's fine as long as you find some way to make it strange so for example if you say hi everybody welcome to our broadcast i'm levi and i'm harry and today we're going to discuss joe rogan and the gimmick here is that we're going to discuss joe rogan while picking our noses That is more interesting than you just discussing Joe Rogan, even if it's audio. And even if I'm never going to have to check on you, whether you're picking your noses or not, it just makes it that much more interesting. But, you know, obviously you can pick your poison when it comes to being (laughs) weird. It doesn't have to be that. (laughs) So that's one of the trends I'm noticing is a lot of bro casts, a lot of girls who just want to or girl casts, whatever you want to call it, non-gender or like... It doesn't have to be gender specific, but people getting together with their friend who they haven't seen in a while and being like, let's let's make a podcast. It's fine. Again, do it. Be creative, but find a way to make it weird. Email me if you have any idea. Uh, if you want to discuss <laughs> any ideas, I will throw them out there. I'll help you. Anissenblad at gmail.com. Harry will put that in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. That's one of the trends that I'm noticing. Tons of podcasts coming out lately. Another one is... At the beginning of the pandemic, there were tons of pandemic casts, and then there were tons of distraction casts that were, you know, supposed to be distracting you from the pandemic. And then there were a ton of podcasts popping up in response to the racial justice movements that came out of the murder of George Floyd. And then there were podcasts distracting people from those podcasts. So it's, it's just interesting to see how the cycles are going. Yeah. I think what happened during all those phases is that there were people that maybe discovered podcast or started a podcast and inevitably, you know, maybe 90, 95% of them just faded away. Cause it's like, Whoa, this shit is hard. Like I'm not going to keep doing it. But I think as it always happens, people, there's some podcasters who will remember this phase of COVID or the racial injustice, you know, uh, wave that we're going through as the moment when they started their podcasting journey. And then, you know, we're going to talk to them in like five years or 10 years. and like, yeah, that's, I started my show and then I pivoted and I tried the other things, but that was the thing that really got me going. So I think that's what we'll yeah. see. And, and if that's a catalyst, fine. Yeah. yeah. Couple of questions as we wrap up. Yeah, please. Something you've changed your mind about recently. I have recently changed my mind about needing to live in California. 
I just left two months ago. I lived there for four years. It wasn't that long, but it was long enough to be obsessed with the weather. It is so nice there. It really is. is. And I did think at first that I would need to live there forever because I grew up in New York and I spent 22 years growing up there, then going to college in upstate and then thawing for six years. I lived in Mississippi and then moved to California and it was just so nice to not be cold during the winter. The one downside though is that you kind of, the seasons don't change. So in my head, it is still October 2016 when I moved to LA. You can't track time in that way. But I realized recently that I can live elsewhere. I just moved to Portland, Maine. And I've only been here for a day, but I love it so far. <laughs> you got to start your podcasting community there now. I act yes to that. And also I have a new idea for a podcast. Well, two, but I'll tell the first one. I want to start a podcast Squadcast recorded podcast where I, Ariel in Portland, Maine, interview an Ariel in Portland, Oregon. And I think everybody should do that. I think everybody should do this. Find your sister city, find somebody with your name, connect with them, and then have a podcast. And you like go through the same questions every week. Like, how, what happened? What's the headline <laughs> in your newspaper this week? What, what's your mayor up to? That kind of thing. Isn't that and, a fun and, idea? And then we'll start. So how do you figure out what your sister is? And then it's a network. How do you fi- yeah, I was just about to say the network. Yeah. Self-to-self network. Well, you would look up. I'm sure there are other cities in the U.S. called Minneapolis, just smaller. And you would, yeah, that kind of thing. Interesting. But obviously it's easier with like a city named like Brownsville or more generic town names. Well, in terms of someone getting their feet wet with a show, the possibilities are endless because if you just, the pairings of that, and we'll probably need a software program to just calculate what those are, but <laughs> that would be interesting. How fun is that though? Yeah. Okay, we'll have to <laughs> So dig. that's that's going to be potentially a project that I do. That's going to be fun. <laughs> What's the most misunderstood thing about you? I have two sisters. One of them is in the back of this room right now. Say hi, Margo. Hi, Margo. Hi. And another one, her name is Carly, and she has a genesis of the corpus callosum, which means that her left and her right brain are the connection between them are is broken or absent or something like that. And what that means is that she can't walk since birth. She can't talk. She can't function like like I do, like my sister Margot does. And so she's been living in a group home since 2011, and it's definitely the most misunderstood thing about me to me and other people to me. A lot of people, oh, how many sisters do you have? How many siblings do you have? Oh, does your sister go to college? And I I sometimes yeah. you wanna brush over the question. Sometimes you wanna talk about it in depth. Sometimes yeah. you wanna not talk about it at all. And definitely that's it for me. Yeah. And I think it's one of those things that you discover even in podcasting, like I I, I was talking to someone earlier today that, about this idea of exposing part of who you are in terms of your personality and you you do more of it as you become more and more comfortable on your show but i think at the end of the day we have to all remember like we're all human beings there's no polished persona of people there's no one living a perfect life you know we've had our ups and downs i've gone through like what i'd call a dark night of the soul and it's just like i think the more we get to feel where we have a comfort level we can at least maybe not go into depth but at least let people know like hey this is another part of me and And this informs how I do everything. I think part of the reason I am the way I am, which I think is outspoken, sometimes strange and quirky, sometimes off-putting, is because like I have a sister who is different from other people. And growing up, people would stare at her weird. And I had to just kind of be cool with that. And yeah, 
I think every little thing about us informs how we interact in day-to-day life. And yeah, you can choose to say those things out loud or you can yeah. keep them to yourself. But I I'm, I like to err on the side of transparency. Is there a name for that condition? No, it's sometimes mischaracterized as cerebral palsy. Okay. But it manifests in a ton of different ways. So she has seizures okay. that can be dangerous. But she's a sweet, loving girl. She's just, unfortunately, we can't have traditional conversations with her. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, yeah with 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 me and uh having feeling like you're in a safe space to do that so thanks yeah and i want to encourage other people to talk about their siblings that might have disabilities or different abilities and other differences in general you know yeah i actually had an older sister that passed away when uh she was nine so she would have been she would have been the oldest in the family she died of leukemia oh wow yeah and, oh, i'm sorry and so what was uh, her name patty p-a-t-y and uh, I now have a younger sister who's named Patricia. And so it's interesting because I'm in pictures with her. So, you know, she's holding my hand, but I don't remember it. But I think there's there's part yeah. of that. How old were you? I had to have been two. Wow. One, one or two when she passed. Yeah. So there's a probably a cellular memory that's in there somewhere in terms of like the relationship we had and her connection or my love for her. So I'm sure that colors part of the way. <laughs> Totally, I, I live absolutely. My life, so it's interesting. Well, Ariel, as as I thought it would be, this was wide ranging conversation, and I'm so happy. You know, I think it's so funny and and great to be able to connect with other podcasters. And and as this as we get to be friends for longer periods of time, I feel like it, it enriches the conversation. And you and I have been on different paths in terms of our podcasting journeys, and and in different places and different cities now. <laughs> and so it's been so fun to watch and I'm um, congrats on your newest position. I, I, I think you. you're an amazing addition to the team. I'm looking forward to all the things we're going to be doing together, uh, working with the guys at, at Squadcast. And I'm excited for, I think what what's happening in the podcasting world. I think there still feels like early days. It still feels like some yeah. cool things are, are going to be I think we'll be, be saying that forever. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I think I, maybe because we're in it and we're, we just love it so much. So I appreciate you making the time to come on and then share your story with, uh, with, with my listeners. Yeah. I appreciate you having me. And may we one day see each other again at an in-person podcast conference yes. and go to happy hour yes. and explore a new city. <laughs> Absolutely. So where's the best place for folks to connect with you? Any of the topics we covered today? <laughs> Yeah, you can reach me at my Squadcast email. That's A-R-I-E-L-L-E, Ariel at Squadcast.fm. Or on Twitter, I'm at Ari this and that. That's A-R-I this and that because it rhymes with with my last name, which is Nissenblatt. Nissenblatt. (laughs) (laughs) And those are the best places to reach me. Perfect. Thanks again, Ariel. Thank you, Harry. Have a great day. Thanks again to Ariel for coming on the show. Much appreciated when I get to connect with friends and geek out on all things podcasting. As always, full show notes are available at podcastjunkies.com forward slash 237. Intro and outro music composed by Cedar and Soil. Don't forget to check out our sponsor, Focusrite, and their awesome line of gear, specifically the Scarlet 2i2 Pro. See the full line at podcastjunkies.com forward slash Focusrite. Podcast production and marketing provided by Fullcast. If you or your business is interested in a podcast, then sign up for a free podcast brainstorm at fullcast.co forward slash chat 15. Next week is going to be a doozy. We're doing a deep dive on advertising sponsorships and all things happening in the ad tech industry related to podcasting. It's a conversation with another old friend, Heather Osgood. She's the founder of True Native Media. 
And if you've made it this far, you're no doubt looking for this week's retention hashtag. Let's go with Outlier Ariel. That's Outlier and then Ariel, A-R-I-E-L-L-E, and tag us at podcast underscore junkies and Ariel at Ari this and that. That's A-R-I this and that all spelled out one word. Thanks again for all you do to support the show. Love you guys. Talk to you next week. Thank you.